Hello and welcome to all listening to in 2021. Ooh, um, happy New Year. This is episode 21, by the way, as well. So it kind of fits nicely. That's very cool. Um, mm. My name is Josh and I'm one of your hosts. And with me is my friend and inventor of the long form prog rock keyboard solo, Asher. How, how are you, sir? Happy New Year. <laughs> I'm good, man. Um, I wish that I was as good at keyboard as that or a guitar <laughs> or something like that. But, you know. I'll give that to Brett Domino or something like that. Okay. Anyway. I always thought you were the uh, ghostwriter behind Frank Zappa's uh, more long form stuff. Um, I barely know Frank Zappa. <laughs> that's right. He's, he's a weirdo. Uh, so to kick off uh, this year, I have a little quiz for you. Mm-hmm. Um, spoilers for this episode. I gave Asher the illustrious uh, Josh Rutter to review. And so of the number of times that I have seen him live, um, he has told this story. And so I have a quiz for you based around them. Um, So when he was first starting to play music for live shows, he was very nervous. And so he would practice in his parents' basement um, with a certain uh, bunch of produce that he would draw faces on the bags of and like have them sitting in the windows. And he would sing to these like face covered um, basically the produce bag. So I want you to guess what type of produce is in those bags. <laughs> you don't need to fear that I came across this information because this is the first I've heard of it. I can um, give you multiple choice if you like. Um, I mean, sure, if you like. Go for it. Uh, okay, it was either a sack of potatoes, a sack of corn, a sack of apples, or a sack of cauliflower. So. Potatoes, corn, apples, and cauliflower. cauliflower. Now, I know that he grew up in Idaho. Good. That was going to be my hint if you didn't know that. I have no idea where that is. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's in the middle. Americans, you can scream at me later or now. Um, Let's go with corn because I know the US loves corn. Ooh. I hate to tell you, Asher, Idaho is very famous for its potatoes. (laughs) Really? I was going to say potatoes if you didn't give me multiple choice. I uh, should have gone with the gut. Oh, well. Yeah. There you go. So apparently oh. he used to draw like little happy faces on these bags of potatoes and just like sing to them in his parents' basement. <laughs> <laughs> apparently it worked. That's uh, quite, quite interesting. And he told that story <laughs> several times. Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard him tell it a couple of times in different ways. But yeah, he's uh, he likes to tell a good story between sets. Um, mm. all right. Do you have any catch-ups, sir? I have one or two things. Um, the only catch-up I had, which was, um, the sad news of MF Doom's passing, which we yeah. were texting each other about, um, over Christmas, which was, yeah, very sad as we just chatted about him, uh, you know, a few weeks before and then to hear the news that he passed away in the end of October, it's it's pretty rough. I mean, like, I don't know much of his stuff. You were the one who introduced me to him. Mm. So, um, but I can tell that a lot of people really uh, were mourning the loss of his kind of artistry. So, yeah. yeah. He's often hailed as your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Um, that's kind right. of a lot of respect for him inside the industry. But yeah, mm. it, was, it, was, it was very surprising. There hadn't really been any news from the MF Doom front for a couple months and then. It came mm. out that he passed away at the end of Halloween, basically. Mm. 
Um, that's surprising. Yeah. Seb. That's that's all that I I um, don't have much to follow up about. Did you have a couple of things? Yeah, probably uh, over the holiday break, I've watched a couple live concerts. Um, <laughs> so there's the one from the Gorillas, which I uh, watched. They did a a, a weekend three number show, um, and it was I don't know it was it was pretty good. I think the interesting thing was that the the encore that they played, like the Demon Days encore that they played were much, they have a lot more character to them. I feel maybe that's just pure nostalgia, but listening to more those songs compared to the originals compared to the, compared to the new songs that they played. Right. Yeah. Um, they just have like a, like a real, like strong, like, um, essence and vibe to what they are. And you can kind of tell that when you like, one of them was like a spoken word song, you know, and it's, it's hmm. so different. Um, anyway, I really enjoyed that concert and watching them play some of their old songs. Hmm. Um, I was said that the set list was exactly the same for all three shows, but uh, okay, yeah, can't really, I mean, you can't blame them because they're doing did a lot you, of work. And did you get access to all three shows when you no, I just watched one. one. I just oh, bought okay. tickets to one. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, checked on yeah set lists or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and then probably second concert that I watched that I really enjoyed was the um, Chance the Rapper Christmas concert that he put on. Mm. Um, so Chance has a pretty uh, well-known Christmas EP that he put out a number of years ago. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know a lot of Chance. And so you sent this through. I was like, oh, okay, Christmas. Cool. Yeah, so he is a, a very talented backing band um, who are kind of the, I don't, I don't know how to play this, like the, the, the gospel music vibe that you get from him having like live horns and a very good drummer are from this backing band and they play with him throughout this whole concert and it's really, really well done. Um, mm. There's a section in like about the middle where he's in a big white room and he does like a couple mashups of... Uh, some Christmas of his, some of his old Christmas songs and some of his old general songs. Um, they're just really, really good. I don't know. The production on this is top notch. Mm, which is hard. I mean, no, I say that now live concerts are becoming like absolutely excellent in terms of production. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me, but yeah. 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 I, I, like it's kind of funny because at the same time I was thinking about how, like I've been doing live music with um, church groups and that kind of stuff through the Christmas season and mm. how like difficult that was to like do like yeah. pre-recorded and then put it out live. And that was like a lot of work. And then to watch this chance, the rapper concert, everything was like pristinely done. Um, yes. It was really impressive. Yeah. I was yes. just like, <sighs> it, oh man. You know, you see photos of these people behind massive desks at these concerts. Yeah. And I can only imagine, like, even when I've been to see musicals, I'm just like, how do you manage 70 vocal mics, like wireless mics <laughs> on stage? Just all the, like, stuff that goes into that, you know, compressors and gates and whatever, like, and and just managing who's on stage and who's muted and who's not and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Like it's probably sounding really naive me talking about those things, but I just no, think no. it's still amazing. You're gonna get me on a tangent because I've been watching like long form musical nerd essays on um like cats and stuff like that. But 
Um, That's not interesting. We we could you could say that for maybe a musical episode, but the the level of technology for recording these like musical movies has increased a ton because um, mm. they're making crazy decisions. But um, yeah, the, the tech for this stuff has just really shot through the roof in the last couple of years. Yeah, but we, I remember we can watching. Say I remember watching behind the scenes of Les Mis when that movie came out with yeah. Hugh Jackman and all that. Um, and I didn't realize they were singing live on set. Yeah. Like it's, it was it's, crazy. It's, it's bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 yeah. we could talk about those another day, maybe because I, I have a lot of opinions about those musicals. We haven't even started the show yet. <laughs> um, all right. Let's get to uh, reviews then. All right. On the reviews. I have this review. Uh, I have um, my good friend Matt to thank for this review. Um, he listens to a bunch of music podcasts and he um, sends me bands he thinks um, I'll like. And this band is called Turtle Doves. I, th- either, I think it's just Turtle Doves or not the Turtle Doves. Let me just mm-hmm. check. Not that it really matters too much. Just Turtle Doves. And um, I've, I... I accidentally listened to their older EP from 2018 called The Rest Is Yet To Come, but I think it's a good starting place and um, it seems to be the one that's kind of put them onto, you know, the scene in some ways. So Turtle Doves are, from what I can tell, a husband and wife duo um, and they're kind of like, oh, how would I describe, like they're a bit electro um, folk sort of thing. Um now, here's the, here's the funny part. I started listening to him like, oh, gosh, these guys remind me of some band. And I was like thinking about it for a while. I was listening <laughs> to it. And I was like, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I was like, oh, right, this band called The Soil and the Sun. They're, um, you know, from 2014, they had this really nice album called Meridian. And um, I'll go and listen to that. Uh, I listened to that as well. I was like, oh, cool, this is a nice complimentary thing. It's like, I should probably check the membership. And, of course, it's the two lead singers uh, oh, who are now turtle, <laughs> turtle Doves. I was like, oh, right, okay, yeah, gotcha. So That's funny. Um, I'd accidentally found what The Soil and Sun became after they finished, <laughs> or at least two of their main members. So they finished up in 2016 or something like that. I was a bit sad because I really enjoyed that album meridian i'll talk a little bit more about that later on anyway so the context for that is it's like a it's like a duo that's come from a very big band of like eight people and so Mm. um yeah uh and we'll talk about live stuff in a moment because they do some really cool stuff live stuff so um the best way it one of the songs reminded me of volcano choir so if you think kind of like um have you heard their album uh which has island is on it yeah 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 so it's got this it's like this electronic sort of thing but with beautiful airy vocals on top so i really i really dig this there's it's just an ep so there's like five songs or so um and uh not all of them grab me some of them are like kind of a bit too floaty and like a half track for an EP, I was kind of hoping for like five really strong songs, 
But as it was, there was probably about two or three which I really liked on this. Um, Give Love slash Get Love is great. That's the one that kind of reminds me a little bit of like elbow, sort of long repetitive intros slash also a bit of Volcano Choir. Um, Some of the songs are a bit samey. So Mm. this is where I want to compare to their previous band, The Soil and the Sun. Um, The Soil and Sun released this album, Meridian, and it's a massive album. Like it's 12 or 14 tracks and they change genres all the time and they have like seven or eight members. And so they've gone from like this massive, big, amorphous, changing genre sort of sound down to quite a small folk thing. And there are elements of that which I really like about the small folk thing. But I do miss the songs kind of feeling a little different from each other. And I, um, like especially on an EP, you want it to feel like you're getting a big bit of a taste of like the different things they can do. Um, there's another song called Forgotten, which is really nice. Um, Electric Moon has an excellent feel. Um the production's pretty cool. Like they've really got their stuff together, and and um, although the vocals probably a little breathy sometimes, which the soil and the sun did as well, um, it's it suits it. It's good sound. Um, so this was like just a small taste, but I guess I just, I guess I just wanted to kind of mention it because I, um, I kind of like been enjoying getting back into this band that <laughs> evidently I thought had finished, but is actually keep on going. Um, the interesting thing is like, so the soil and the sun, I'm pretty sure uh, now I'm going to check it. At least they did the whole album in audio tree at one point. Do you know audio tree, the live recording like um, group? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. They did. Of course they did. Um, the oh hellos one time, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yep. So anyway, I'm telling you things you already know. Um, <laughs> the Soil and the Sun did pretty much all of their big album Meridian live in Audio Tree, and they're fantastic. Like huh. they are so tight, really, really tight when they play together. And so I guess I was like, ah, oh, I would love a bit more of that in this this EP by Turtle Doves. However, it, like I think they're nice complimentary albums. Um, so. Yeah, anyway, that's what I've been listening to, just kind of like delving back into a band I thought had finished but didn't. And so I'll put a couple of tracks on this this playlist from Turtle Doves and then maybe one or two from The Soil and the Sun just to yeah. kind of give you a taste of those two. But did you get to listen to The Rest Is Yet to Come? I did. I give it a listen or two. I did notice that it was um, quite similar rhythmically. Um Mm-hmm. I think that was quite basic, like um, program drums. Maybe that's not fair, but the the, the kind of the background is quite um, static. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it is that electronic feel, but perhaps a little too simple. Yeah, I did notice. I don't know the kind of like it felt very spacey. Um, just kind of the 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 production, the vocals and the instruments are very like large and um, echoey, and it kind of it it gives this um, kind of feeling of just being like a huge room um, together with them, which is I thought was kind of interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, 
don't know. I think it's kind of the vibe they're going for with the um, with the production. But it, I, I liked it. It was interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's a nice little taster. Um, and they've got a new EP out, which I should listen to um, soon. Um, called what is it? Pillars of the Earth, which just came out last year. So, yeah, I I recommend them. I, they're not. Like I say, they're not as like stunning as their original band, but it's um yeah, it's a pretty EP, and I I'll I'll probably listen to it again. So yeah, mm. all right. What have uh, you been listening to? Yes, and you have um, to say the whole name. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have been uh going through the first album from the band called Sparkle Horse. Mm-hmm. And the album is called uh, Viva Dixie Submarine Transmission Plot. Yeah, all um, one word. All one word. Um, yeah, uh, this album um, is a uh, low fidelity alternative country scraggly mess. Um, it kind of uh, fires that part of my brain. It's like early, like eels or Beck or um, like early flaming lips kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like before they started making electronic music, they were making this kind of stuff. Um, it's like kind of like an old carnival ride, this album that's kind of busted and the music box doesn't work properly anymore. Well, the um, cover gives that away as well, doesn't it? Yeah. The and there's actually samples face. of like old carousels on this album too um Hmm. but yeah i don't know this this kind of oddball uh alternative rock is really up my alley but like 10 11 years ago i'm kind of surprised i've never found this band before um uh so i just kind of been going through this um yeah so i i love on this album um how the music is so homemade it feels like um mm, yeah the production is messy like there's like the vocals are like different levels on different songs sometimes the bass is too loud um like some places peak a little bit and it like this album really was um the lead singer just kind of giving it a shot um like buying some studio time or doing it in like an old building with some buddies and just kind of making it work. And you can kind of tell in some places. <laughs> what year um, was it recorded? 1995. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of gives you a feeling where everything's kind of just been like duct taped together and just make it work. Um, I didn't feel like it was just holding together. That wasn't my impression, but I get right. what you mean. <laughs> I get what you mean about the sound, but I didn't doubt yeah. them being able to pull it off. Maybe because I didn't know much about the album before I listened. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. Uh, no, that's right. I, yeah, I, I love the, the kind of, um, the music composition of it. So you got like some heavier songs, um, mm. like distorted guitar and like, you've got some lighter songs. Then he has some kind of weird kind of, um, country fusions with like a bit of banjo, a bit of harmonica, um, it kind of crosses all these boundaries and I really enjoyed the kind of um, the cold musical infusion of the thing. Um, yeah. This whole record's kind of a nostalgia trip in some fashion. Cause it is very nineties. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I said, 
Well, I thought it was a bit early thousands. And am I wrong in feeling like there's a bit of smashing pumpkins feeling stuff in there? I mean, maybe. Um, like the raw guitar sort of rockier songs kind of remind yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Anyway, that's just what I thought of. I thought it was very you, to be honest. I, <laughs> I thought this album was like, yeah, see, yeah, this is very Josh. I take offense to that. No, you don't. <laughs> um, so, like, so, yeah, I gotta explain. I found this album um, when I was doing my very weird thing of scrounging through the depths of the internet. Um, I was looking to see if there was ever a intersection between like shoegaze music making and like folk music. Um, shoegaze is back for 2021. No, it's not. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be good. Yeah, yeah. There are, there are other albums I've been listening to that are shoegaze, but I will not talk about them. Um, but I was just trying to see if this intersection had ever happened before. And, I don't think it has, and I don't know what it would sound like if it did, to be honest. I was just kind of curious mm. in that kind of like morbid curiosity. Let's see if this happens and what that looks like. Um, but I did find a thread where somebody else had asked about this. And on that thread, someone had listed a couple songs from this album. Mm. Um, Which ones did they think? Uh, Cows, especially. And, okay. uh, and Weird Sisters, I think. Um, okay. Yeah, just kind of the the more uh, slow paced, but still have some distortion on them. Um, mm. Yeah. I, so, full disclosure, I was doing some weird stuff looking for this, but I I'm quite happy that I did find this album. Um, unfortunately, the lead singer has passed away, um, so the, they don't make music anymore. But this is the start of their career, and they have a mm. lot more music to go. That's quite good, apparently. So I'm excited to, you know, kind of wade through and see what happens. Um, yeah, this yeah. this album was a bit hard to find. Like, it was on <laughs> YouTube, like, to be listened to, but I couldn't. They obviously hadn't put it up on Spotify as, like, a, you can listen to this. We're proud of this. I don't know. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's, um, um, sorry, go for it. No, no. Um, I really love the song Rainmaker. It, I don't know, that one stood out for me when I was listening through it. It yeah. kind of, oh, it, it, yeah, it was just a real nostalgia trip and felt like you were going back in time a little bit. But I kind of preferred the quieter tracks than the heavier ones, personally. Okay. They felt a little bit like Sky Blue Sky, <laughs> which, you know, is one of my favorite dad rock albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. The... It's kind of country mm. sensibilities adjacent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's got that Wilco feel to it. And I really dig it. I I want to listen to it again. I didn't give, didn't wasn't able to give it like tons of listens. But um, I kind of like that scrappiness. It was, Yeah, like I said, it didn't feel like it was not well produced. It just felt like it had the aesthetic of being quite scrappy and lo-fi. But yeah. yeah. And I don't think music is kind of made in the same way anymore. I think people care a lot about um, coming off as knowing what they're doing at all times. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I understand why um, the Radiohead boys were big fans of this band. 
I oh, discovered, um, especially the bass player. And mm-hmm. I think it's the kind of like the interesting lyricism, but also the kind of um, persona put forth by the musicians of the band. It's like, we're just going to do it. And we don't necessarily know if everything's going to work all the time, but we just want, want to make it, you know, make, make music. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, cool. so it's, it was an interesting discovery. I do love the song "Cow" a lot. Um, I think it's a seven-minute, like, <laughs> alternative country banjo shoegaze weird monstrosity, <laughs> and I love it a lot. I honestly can't remember spe- to, and tons of specific tracks, but I, I do remember there being a few weird ones in there, and that's cool. <laughs> They're um they in the nineties they had a label for this. They don't really use it anymore. It's called Freak Folk, is what they used to call. Uh, okay. Like eels and Beck and this kind of stuff. Like freak folk. I think I think it still works. Nice. Anyway, uh homework time. Yeah, homework. So uh, I gave Asher Josh Ritter's third album, uh, The Animal Years. Um, firstly, I need to say this, otherwise I'll, I will be uh, threatened. Um, I need to say thanks to my Uncle Phil for introducing me to Mr. Ritter. Um, and it is a great musical debt, and he reminds me of it, and I need to say thank <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> um, secondly, uh, this record is kind of uh, prime meeting of early 2000s singer songwriter folk and um some rock tendencies in the background uh mm-hmm. it is um often hailed as his best album it's not my uh, favorite but it is fantastic still mm-hmm. um and it's got some beautiful arrangements on it um it's chock full of mark twain references and uh, throughout the whole thing, you can kind of see Josh Ritter singing with a big toothy grin on his face like he does when he plays it live. He smiles the whole way through. And I think you kind of get that impression when you listen to his music, at least. Um, yeah. So what, what did you think of it, sir? Um, so I also wanted to start with a mention of who first introduced me to Josh Ritter. Yeah. Um, so when I first went to uni, um, there were a bunch of like American exchange students um, and someone who was like kind of overseeing that she was also from the States. She and I chatted music quite a bit. She actually introduced me to Sigaros and she introduced me to Josh Ritter. And so I actually found the girl in the war, um, which was the first song in this album. And I was like, oh, maybe she was like, this is one of my favorite ones by Josh Ritter. And it's one of my favorite tracks by Josh Ritter too. Um, <laughs> it, so I was like, oh, cool. I know I know at least the vibe of this album. So, um, yeah, cheers to her, to Mel, for introing me to Josh Ritter. On your Mel. Um, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> this album, like you were saying, um, I don't know if you were, but it felt like you were really going back in time to like, this is almost pre the big um new folk revolution that probably happened like with Mumford and Sons and stuff like, but this is 2006. So this is before that. And I think it's stood the test of time a little bit better. Um, in my opinion, I mean that I could be wrong about that, but no, no, I'd agree with you. It's much more in line with 
um, what folk is actually at its core is, I think, like storytelling mm. and um, yeah, like that kind of stuff. Less stomping thud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sino Moore had some great storytelling on it, but as I listened to this, and particularly songs like um, uh, Thin Blue Flame, which really feel like they're drawing on the Dylan-esque sort of long-form storytelling. I'm yeah, kind of like, this was built built to last a little bit longer. So yeah. anyway, I'm get, getting ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> Girl in the War is the opening track and just perfect. It's one of my favorite songs. It's like a song that, you know, I have on my list of gig cover songs kind of thing. Because it's so beautiful, the melody, you know, the acoustic part, you've got all these like piano bits and it, it's just a gorgeous song. Very fascinating lyrically. We talked about like, you know, he's got um, kind of like um, settler American story sort of thing feel and then like biblical imagery and and all this kind of like stuff mixed in there. It's very fascinating. I still don't really understand what the song's about, but you know. I find it interesting. <laughs> um, the recording, I kind of wish it was a bit more woody and like acoustic-y. Sometimes the piano is like too perfect. You know, that like studio mm. recorded piano. I think it could have been a bit more like an acoustic piano feel and it would have sounded a little bit more in the vein. Um, so going through the tracks, I woke up this morning with wolves in my head. Um, yeah. It's got a nice pulse to it. I, Although the chorus is a tad repetitive, I kind of love this pulse. And I've been listening to this album over a hot summer near the beach, and it's been really lovely. It's a, it's a really kind of cheery, bright album. So, you know, like, thanks for that. It's a good, I, I th- good one. I think Wolves is a bit of a sleeper song. Like, I also didn't pay a huge amount of attention when I first went to this album. And it's mm. the one that I kind of come back to now you know, like five, six years later. Mm. Um, and having seen him play it, I think it's one of my favorite songs to see him play. Okay. Um, often he'll pause like halfway through the song and make the crowd howl with him like a wolf. <laughs> it's, it's a ton of fun and he always does it, but it's nice. kind of, um, I think it has a different energy. Yeah, you're right, like the, the pulse behind him. Yeah, it feels quite different than like, coming out of girl in the war songs like i'll just i'll, I'll say my favorites girl in the mm. war best is for the best and thin blue flame now girl in the war and best is for the best i kind of have that folk tradition where there's no chorus really it's like two halves to a verse i reckon i don't know if it's a tradition but it just feels very like sturdy like the song will continue on no matter what like um, and I really like that, but Wolves is very different because it's, it's now into this verse chorus sort of feel. Yeah. Um, but those, yeah. So he changes between feels a little bit. Um, Lillian Egypt was nice, kind of good country folk, you know, great <laughs> guitar. Um, you know, um, when I got to Idaho, I was really bored. Sorry to Idahoans <laughs> or whatever they're called. Um, it just was a little bit like, you know, that kind of sad, bluesy, solo vocal sort of thing. It just didn't really do it for me. Oh, but, um, interesting. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, interesting. 
Um, I really like the groove in the dark. Kind of like, yeah, really slightly swung. I like that. Um, yeah, I've mentioned Girl in the War and Best is for the Best. I like those half bar kind of like additions where, you know, um, it's kind of hymn-like where there's a bar of four and then a bar of two and then a bar of four kind of thing. So it mm. feels very, yeah, led by the lyrics, I suppose. So I like songs that are built around lyrics where it's kind of almost a bit clunky, but it's just it's just the way the lyrics are. We can't help it. We've got to follow the, follow the words, and I really like that. So, yeah. Um, Thin Blue Flame was a surprise. I did not expect a nine minute track on this album. I was, <laughs> I was anticipating them all to be a bit like girl in the war, just like kind of short and kind of, um, yeah, kind of quite pretty, but this was a yeah. bit more like pointed again with the biblical imagery and lots of like builds, but the build didn't really come from the instruments. It came from him, right? He's like, keeps yelling and kind of speaking louder and, faster and more words and it's it's really cool um yeah it's a it's a it's i don't know it's a big epic um like you don't really ever hear kind of folk music this aggressive i feel we sometimes but it's really i mean yeah. if you listen to early dylan right he does these same sort of repetitive like um oh I, i've forgotten the song right now but it's one of the really early ones and he's just strumming like one chord and he's like repeating these refrains and almost like listing off things that he really needs to say, not really caring that it's getting repetitive. Like, and I think that Josh does the same thing. And I like that. Mm. Yeah. No, all in all, I really like this album. It's, it's very beautiful. It's nice to kind of go back to that new folk thing, you know, like the Avett brothers and stuff. I haven't listened to that in ages. <laughs> Was there anything you wanted to say about this album? Uh, no, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. Um, Josh Ritter kind of holds a special place in my brain. I don't know. I can play like a vast majority of his songs myself just because they're so much fun mm. um, to kind of chug and chunk and sing along to. Um, yeah. And this album. Yeah, they're I not too really, hard either. Like, yeah. um, like, because I'm not the best guitarist, but, you know, he's really accessible, like Girl in the War and, you know, and others. It's kind of like you can play a really beautiful song and he hasn't, like, tried to make it really, really hard. There's some really good guitar parts in there, but, yeah. Yeah. You know, the core mm-hmm. of the song you could play. I, nice. Yeah. No, that's it. Josh Ritter. He's awesome. He is. I remember um, buying some, like... um what's the live um there was a live website where artists would go and record their songs um let me just check oh um yeah yeah, yeah. horse uh day trotter day trotter yeah something to do with horses trotters (laughs) (laughs) no in my defense they had a horse on the front or something no they did (laughs) yeah I've got a day trotter vinyl. I'd just like to say it's a trampled by turtles vinyl. Really? Yeah. 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 I bought my mum a subscription one time and they sent me a vinyl, which was really nice. So anyway, day trotter. I remember hearing him day trotter and really enjoyed that too. 
Anyway, sorry. Side note. <laughs> I feel like I'm a little bit out of practice. I have not really. It's also concise. very early for you. That's fine. Um, um, so I yes, gave tell me, Josh. What did, what did you What did you give me, sir? Tell me. Um, around Christmas time, I was at this like Christmas dinner, and I was chatting to this guy there about music and that sort of thing. And he's like, "Oh, I'm actually in a band." I'm like, "Oh, cool! Like, uh, what's your band?" He's like, well, it's a punk band. I'm like, oh, cool. Like instant Josh flag in my brain. <laughs> I'm like, what's the band called? And he's like, oh, it's called Arse. Um, and we <laughs> play, you know, three-piece punk band from Sydney. I'm like, great. So I went home and had a listen and kind of blind assigned this to Josh. I kind of gave him their whole discography and said, you can choose what you want to listen to. So... Um, he ended up choosing the one that I listened to, which is called Primitive Species. It's their 2017 yeah. album. It's just seven tracks. And I kind of, yeah, I thought this would be up your alley. It's kind of like a little bit like a, a less artistic version of Idols. Um, <laughs> probably, and also a little bit less kind of talented. Not in a mean way, but just a produced way perhaps. So anyway, I don't want to be too mean. Because <laughs> I did enjoy it. I did enjoy yeah. it. No, this going. album is so grody, dude. I <laughs> this album is like torn jeans and four day worn t shirts. Um, yeah, it. I think this album would be super popular in the eighties. Um, okay, like the East Coast hardcore scene um, is a very real thing in like Washington and Maryland. Um, in the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, like kind of, I don't know, like the like band Void or Black Flag, um, but with like the sensibilities, like the Dead Kennedys, it's kind of, uh, really aggro maximalism that was very common in the eighties for music. Um, aggro so. maximalism. It's an amazing <laughs> statement. Yeah, like I've I've been I've been trying to like categorize 80s music and why i don't particularly like it and i think the maximalism is the kind of the the thing about it that i just like because 80s is like uh everybody's having fun and um like bright lights and everything's to the to the maximum we can drive it and for punk music that made it like let's just crank up all the expression and aggression to just like as far as we can take it and i, I think sometimes it suffers musically because of that. Um, so I'm not There's the no hugest. Eight, yeah, I'm not the hugest '80s punk fan. Um, I think it kind of stays its welcome a little bit. But um, these guys have that kind of sensibility, but they have the production of like early industrial, like '90s music, like Nine Inch Nails. The hmm. like the the drums are super compressed and kind of weird and the bass is like overdriven to the point that sounds like a synthesizer um, i did notice the bass on is it n-r-v-s-n-r-g <laughs> nervous energy yeah thanks that's um, what it is got it <laughs> no it took me a little i was like what does that spell uh and then they say it in the song obviously but so this is like a seven song album and the longest song is barely three minutes long. Um, <laughs> and the shortest is a minute 43. <laughs> yeah. Th- this album is just like, it kicks you in the head. And I, I do kind of enjoy that to be honest. Um, 
uh, I was going through the lyrics on the Bandcamp site, and they're all typed in uppercase, the whole thing. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, So you say this reminds of the idols. I think that's correct, but there's none of the cheeky, like, winking uh, analogies or jokes. Like, this is just It's not ironic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Here, let me... Let me read you uh, a set of lyrics from one of the songs. Wake up every day and it's the same. Reality is pressure in my brain. Society is baseless. The government racist. Void of humanity is making me nervous. And that's just like the lyrics are just um, like there's there's no wink and a nudge. Uh, I, I have on my notes from listening. Um, these songs our blunt force trauma is what I had down from initial listen to it. Yeah. Um, I think that we've been a bit, well, I've been a bit spoiled by idols because they're so (laughs) thoughtful as well as being angry. And sometimes I feel like I was listening to this, like it's not very kind of like introspective. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, like, sure. Yeah. Everyone does different things. I don't think on a punk usually isn't that introspective. Um, See, like even in the seventies, lured into a false sense of security. You know, no, absolutely not. Like you know, you got the Ramones, and the most introspective they go is, "I want to be sedated," and that's kind of you know, yeah, it. Um, it's more about outward aggression than inward aggression. Yeah, yeah. Unlike yeah. unlike with the Idols. Um, yeah. So I I don't know. I appreciate the crazy sounds um, these blokes are going for the the composition for this record is like insane and um if they ever listen to this the singer needs to take care of himself because the way he sings makes me think that his throat is bleeding the entire time um and that's very dangerous you have to tell the listeners about the video you watched of them <laughs> I was like going through like, you know, let's see if I can find any of the band arse playing. Um or ass. The Yeah, so I found a clip of them playing in a bar recently and it was like closed off because it was a COVID show. And so it's just them on stage. And they start with like a three and a half minute sprawling version of the Australian national anthem. And uh. you look at the guys who are playing and you have this like super tall, skinny bass player. Then the singer who's got like a mullet, um, which I think is for a joke, but I'm not entirely sure. And then the drummer is pretty like <laughs> pretty regular looking, which is kind of funny in itself. Like just like a just like a, a regular well, guy the, playing drums. That's the dude I've met. And like, yeah. He's he's just pretty normal. <laughs> yeah, so you have this guy who's like a freak version of punk slash. And then you have this drummer who's just like having a good time playing this like super hardcore music. Um, yeah, I can imagine, uh, easily what those shows would smell like to be at. Um, it reminds me of being a teenager. So I, I'm, I'm curious what like a, a newer full release would sound like. Cause punk music often has trouble transitioning to like full production. That's where it kind of, um, it can sound non-genuine when you get to that point, like, you know, mid-career Green Day, kind of crossing over from, like, 
uh, let's make all this noise as much as we can, just kind of record it to let's actually make an album. It's quite difficult, I think, for punk music. But yeah, great fun. I it's really enjoyable the yeah. fifteen minutes that this album is. <laughs> yeah, I realized yesterday I hadn't listened to it like again recently. I was like, and you're like, it's only fifteen minutes. I'm like, oh, I'm good. Yeah, cool. I can yeah, just yeah. <laughs> fit this in. Also, um, do it twice at a lunch break. <laughs> Um, one question, is there a bit of a crossover from like UK punk to Australian punk? Because these guys feel like they could be from the UK. Like even the Aussie accents, it's confusing because it could be like slightly UK yelled words. Yeah, it's it's pretty awkward. I, Australia does have a long history of punk music, actually. Um one of the earliest punk bands in the world was in Australia. Um, the band called the saints, uh, and they kind of doing their own thing. I think at this point in history, it's kind of hard to tell just because the world is so flat in some ways. Um, these guys probably do have some very strong influences from the UK. Um, yeah. Well, I know that the drummers knows idols cause I was chatting to him about that. So, yeah, there you go. there's probably influences all over the place. I get, I've managed to give you some like punk credibility in the scene if you talk to people. Yeah, look at me. Look at me. I saw a, an idol's tote bag on the train the other day. Uh, like, there you go. Out in the wild. Anyway. Punks in the wild. <laughs> yeah. All right. I shall keep an eye on this band for the future. It should be sure. interesting. Cool. Glad you, uh, yeah, glad you just enjoyed as much as I thought you might. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Um, honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. Since we've uh, been on a bit of a break, I'm assuming that our honorable mentions may be a bit stacked. So yeah, I've, I've tried to, to limit myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot. <laughs> I've tried to keep mine as not half the show. You know, I have limited myself. Um, so uh, first. Um, I heard this song ooh, before we went on hiatus, but didn't have a chance to talk about it. Um, it's called uh, Shadows on the Wall by a band called A People Person. Um, this is a great little uh, indie production. Um, I love the guitars and the kind of echoey feel. It's kind of a, a lament song, but you know, very tactile and personal. Um, I believe they have a full album coming out. Um, sometime February or March. So I'm excited for that, but it's a, a great kind of modern singer songwriter thing going on. Um, I'll put mm. that in the playlist. It's really good. Nice. Um, all right. So second, I've been dipping my toes a little bit into the works of, um, Chris Thiel, Chris, T- Chris I'm not trying to say his yeah, last name. Yeah. I don't know. How to say his last name. I was going to call him Chris Thiel. And if, I mispronounced that. I'm sorry, sir. Um, so I have been listening to a little bit um, some of the Punch Brothers. And so the particular song I want to talk about is a song called Familiarity. Um, this is like an 11-minute song. Um, and I'm not sure it qualifies for bluegrass anymore. It's a, okay. it's a weird thing. It has all the mechanics and components of what would make a bluegrass song, but they're used so differently that it, I don't think it works anymore. Like, Hmm. like if you, 
you know, made like a seat out of a bicycle. You know, it doesn't really, it's not a bicycle anymore. Um, (laughs) It's a good analogy. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, Chris Steele is such a technical, um, brilliance when it comes to playing the mandolin. I've been kind of odd. Yeah, yeah, I've just been kind of going through his stuff and like watching him play, you know, Bach um cantatas and cello pieces um on the mandolin from memory. And he's such a fantastic technical player. So the song Familiarity is uh, the whole band of the Punch Brothers. And um it's amazing the complimentary things that they do to play with each other, especially the banjo player. I think he impresses you the most actually in the song. Hmm. Um, but it took me a couple listens and a couple watches of them playing it live to actually understand all the things that are happening in this song. It's so, um, yeah, it's so impressive. Uh, hmm. it's just, like, I don't like know the punch minute. brothers, um, but yeah. I do know Chris Thiel and he, yeah, like you say, he's incredible. His, yeah. I mean, I'm confused. Does he have a show where he gets artists on? Like, because if you've seen where he plays with, like, Sufjan and Wolfpack and all these other artists, like... I believe he does now, but he's hmm. also well known for just being, like, a, a, a chronic... Um, what's the word? Um, just, like, going and playing with other people. He just kind of goes and does that all the time. Collaborator collaborator thank you yeah um yeah yeah. so on the npr tiny desk concerts Hmm. they have a rule which is they never invite a person back okay um chris Steele has been on there four times (laughs) it's worth it all all with different bands (laughs) ah yes that's that's the sneaky loophole including yo-yo ma i think at one point so really he he gets around (laughs) I've been this. This is not on my list, but I've been listening to Yo-Yo Ma and Bobby McFerrin. Have you heard them <laughs> as a combo? <laughs> They're amazing. I, interesting. They've got, yeah, they've got this album because I remember back in uni, I had to play a song, and it was a Bobby McFerrin Yo-Yo Ma combo. Um, Hush, little baby, but kind of like okay. really bluegrassy sort of stuff. Um, anyway. Uh, that's a really cool combo. I can imagine Yo-Yo Ma and Chris Thiel being incredible too. So there you go. That's uh, I was not expecting Bobby McFerrin and Yo-Yo Ma to ever make music together, but there we go. Have you? Well, Bobby McFerrin is very classical at times. Um, like, so he... <laughs> He he is. Um, no, no, he I, can, you're right. Doesn't mean he gets to play with Yoko Ma. Yeah, that's true. But it's really cool because they do um, Bach's Prelude in C major with um, the Gounod melody on top, and so Bobby yeah. McFerrin is singing the piano part, the like arpeggios, and then Yoko Ma is playing the melody on top, as you do. I mean, the harder part is obviously Bobby McFerrin's part. <laughs> Keep his yeah. intonation <laughs> correct. Oh my goodness. Anyway, you should watch. There's a live video on YouTube, which I'll probably ch- chuck in the show notes of him singing it. And he gets the crowd to sing the melody on top. So, you know, crazy stuff. It's a choir look. conference. So, yeah. Um. All right. Third. <laughs> We're going to take forever. <laughs> Sorry. Moving along. Uh, third. Um, 
This is actually a collection of B-sides uh, from Josh Fritter himself. So it's called oh. See Here, I Have Built You a Mansion. Um, mm-hmm. So full disclosure, I haven't been the hugest fan of Mr. Ritter's uh, latest albums, last couple. Um, they're a little too pop country for my blood. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ever Faithful, I gave us the world just because it's the thing he released uh, in 2020. Um, and I actually really enjoyed it. I think the B-sides here have a lot of character, more so than a number of his non-B-sides from his last couple albums. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what direction his he's kind of going with his songwriting, but it's getting a little bit less explorative. I mean, who knows? But mm-hmm. I would love to see kind of this kind of weird weirdness and storytelling elements kind of come back into actually what he's talking about unless less pop stuff um and then lastly um probably an early peak of musical nerddom um yeah i have been listening to a a redux version of the radiohead album hail to the thief i didn't Um, get to listen to this yet sorry (laughs) that's right it's um out of the gutters of Tom York's memory. Um, it's a fairly well-known fact amongst Radiohead nerds that Hail to the Thief is a little bit long and um, kind of has, it kind of has a ununified direction in some parts. And uh, Radiohead themselves say there's too many songs in the album. And so a number of years ago, Tom York um, suggested a version um, on their website. And so I have been listening to that suggested order of the album. Um, so, so granted nerdy. the transition, I know. Uh, absolutely. You can tell that I am desperate for a new release from them. Um, <laughs> <You> think? <laughs> let's get to that point. Uh, so that's like the transitions in the album are obviously not there um, because this is jumbled original album versions. Mm. Um, but I think it actually, I enjoy this this version a lot more i think it focuses the album a bit um Mm. yeah it kind of it kind of uh, pushes it more towards the um frustration and anxiety the album is built around towards um global status that was happening so this album is mostly about um w bush and tony blair and kind of the um that kind of era of uh, anger at, at politics for that and mm. i think with the regular album that's kind of a bit unfocused there's just kind of a general sense of anger um and with this other one it's a little more um geared towards the anxiety that comes with living in that kind of time so mm. i don't know um it's I, i'm a huge hail of the thief fan i think it's one of my top radiohead albums um contrary to what most Radiohead fans go for and I I don't know this is just kind of an extra little a piece of dessert that I enjoy mm-hmm. on top of that um, to, as a thought experiment I guess that's cool I like that it also reminds us that order of songs matters um, yeah. yeah I think I mean obviously Radiohead have been very intentional about how they order their music in the past there's a lot of flow between songs and I think that's important to them is how to pace and break up an album. And so it's interesting that they have still like contrasting opinions about how an album should go. 
Mm. Um, well, King of Limbs after- was like that too. Yeah. 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 So it seems like, you know, I'm glad that they're rethinking it, you know. I imagine they put a lot of thought into it at the time too, but you know you know yeah. what you only know. So, yeah. <laughs> Well said. How about well, you say your honorable mentions? <laughs> what I mean is, like, you can't reflect upon your work with the hindsight of, like, 20 years or something when you're in the midst no. of it. So, yeah, anyway. Wasn't that useless of a statement. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I have four honourable mentions. I've tried to trim it back because it has been a while since we last chatted and there's been a lot mm-hmm. of things passing um, through my ears. Okay. I was going to review this, but I, I feel like this might have been too much Sylvan Esso. Um, I've been listening to Sylvan Esso's other two albums over the past uh, month and a bit. So um, I've preferred the album called What Now? Um, it's it's in some ways a bit more lyrically poignant um, than Free Love. Like it, it feels like it says more. Um, Free Love was nice, but it didn't feel like there was a lot of depth in what um, they were saying. Um, but this one kind of has some pointed stuff in it, like um, Radio, which is one of the al- songs in the album, is all about kind of like being trying to be a hit machine. I mean, I know that the irony is is a bit funny because they are trying to be a hit machine as well. But um, yeah. this song about, you know, being a slave to the radio, 3.30, and then they finish the song and the song is 3.32, which I think was a nice little um, kind of reference. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of I, like, it's funny. From from the, I give that record a couple of listens as well. And oh, yeah. I found the song radio really off-putting. Um, and maybe that's on purpose. Like, I think maybe they did their job a little too well. Cause listening to like that record and then that song comes on, I found it super jarring and just hmm. <laughs> like, I, like I, I hate this. This is, <laughs> this is so like poppy and gross. And which I guess is the point of the song, but I, don't, I don't know how I don't listen to it. <laughs> I mean, I quite like it as a song. I, I probably enjoyed quite a majority of these songs i really enjoyed the glow um die young is quite good um yeah it's a it's a good good album um the other i've got three other things the second thing is um i've been listening to this artist called grave nature and he recently put out a little three track ep like an ambient release um and this this is uh kind of like an interesting version of ambient where you have live like really beautiful cello on top of it and it kind of Mm -hmm. focuses the ambient a lot more um i really liked also it's kind of sweet the album is um centered around around the australian bushfires like you know remember way back when and all the songs are named after different Australian animals. And so it's kind of interesting. He's not Aussie himself. Um, huh. okay. And so I just thought it was interesting hearing that from a non-resident kind of reflecting on nature and with cello and ambient sounds. And so, yeah, it was a beautiful little EP, which I've enjoyed. Um, oh, I've doubled up. So actually I have one more. Third one <laughs> is... <coughs> third one is... Um, an artist I've been listening to called Bad Snacks. 
Um, and she's a producer who I kind of found through Twitter and she does like really cool sort of, um, yeah, interesting beats and electronic music, but with the added interest of, um, violin. So she plays violin on top, kind of takes it into a different sort of like interesting pentatonic sort of, uh, feel, uh, it doesn't feel like it's chill hop. It's kind of more interesting chill hop because it's got these different instrumental focuses in it. And so, anyway, she's got a she's got an album out called Bath Time Bathtub Bumps or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it was quite inspiring uh, to listen to. Cool, she's a good bass player, and yeah, and and I like her production. So mm. yeah, props to her. Um, there you go. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's other little bits, but I don't know if it's got too many things. You know, I'm just going to cut it there. <laughs> oh, no, I know. I do remember. There's one last one. Another friend, um, uh, Ramon, on uh, Twitter sent me one track from the Heredity soundtrack. Now, I'm not brave enough to watch this movie, but <laughs> I did listen to this song and um, no, I know what Ari Aster's like. I'm not going there at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this this song is called Reborn and it is gorgeous, incredibly beautiful. And part of the reason I don't want to watch it is because I've heard that this is like a terrifying part of the movie or something like that. So, but it, the song itself, it's like, it's got these crazy synth lines on top of like, this beautiful kind of backing and it's some people like it's kind of like a warning siren but it's also kind of this beautiful sound so yeah it's quite a unique song reborn have you heard this i have i mean i've watched the film but i don't particularly remember the music in it there is a i know there's a long history of um music and horror movies going together and being a very important and often oh, yeah. very hailed aspect of it like um to the point of like someone like john carpenter like writing his own soundtracks for his movies like they're very key to some parts of it oh yeah yeah i mean um i i enjoy a lot of soundtracks to horror movies i just don't usually watch many movies anyway so (laughs) i just listen to soundtracks but yeah this this really stood out to me um because it just was very beautiful but also kind of probably very apt in terms of creating atmosphere. So I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's kind of me. Thanks so much for uh, listening to episode 21 of what we're listening to. It's good to be back. Uh, We're looking forward to a great year ahead with some new, interesting twists and that sort of thing. Um, We, (laughs) we hope uh, you have entered the new year well and, um, are all doing okay and remember check us out on twitter facebook instagram our website share us around um tell your friends uh all that kind of thing and we look forward to seeing you next time or uh yeah whatever whatever that means catch you later josh see you buddy (laughs) see ya